Shalom, shalom. Welcome back to another episode of the weekly Rav Cook podcast. I'm Aleph Lewitt. Each week, Be'ezrat Hashem, we will take a look at a different piece from Rav Cook's writings and try to break down the often long poetic sentences into smaller units and explain them as best as possible in plain English. Hope you enjoy. This week, we're going to learn about a topic within Rav Cook's outlook on tefillah and davening. And that is the principle that our souls, our neshamot, are always involved in tefillah, in some sense. What Rav Kook called hatfilah hamatmedet shel neshama, the constant tefillah of the soul. The text that we're going to be learning can be found in the introductory sections of Rav Kook's writings on the Sidur, which he called, Olat, or maybe his son, Ritzvihudu, put it together, called Olat Re'iyah, which is a, a play on the Karban Re'iyah, right? The, the Karban brought by Jewish males making Aliyah Leregel, coming to Harabaya to Yerushalayim during the, the Regalim. Uh, so the Olat Re'iyah, and it's a play on the acronym of Rav Kook's name, Resh Aleph yod Rav Avram Yitzchak HaKohen. In any event, two quick points of background and introduction before we jump into Rav Kook's text itself. First point is about the definition of tefillah, and the second point is a uh, background on a Gemara that Rav Kook is going to relate to. So the de- definition of tefillah, which we're going to be working with just for the purpose of, uh, of, this, of this piece, is going to be a definition that we get from the Torah itself, from the place where the Torah uses the word, the, the root, pe lamed lamed, palal, or pilel. When Yaakov and Yosef meet at the end of Sefer Bereshit, the Torah tells us, Vayomer Yisrael Yosef, Re'ofanecha lo filalti, v'hinei Elohim gamen zarecha. Yaakov, in relief and disbelief that he's that he's meeting Yosef, who he thought was dead, says, Re'ofanecha lo filalti, I never pilalti to see you. What does it mean, pilalti? So Rashi says, I didn't fill my heart to, to uh, investigate the thought, to, to even consider the possibility that I would ever see you again. And the Pasuk finishes off, uh, And here, not, not only am I seeing you, Yosef, I'm seeing your children, Ephraim and Menashe, etc., but in any event, the definition we'll be using is this, this idea of filling our hearts to delihit palel is to hope, to long, and to uh, fill our hearts with a, with a certain thought and a certain, uh, a certain desire. Point number two is that there's a machloket amoraim in the Gemara in Bracho daf kaf alef, kaf alef amor alef, whether or not a person who isn't sure if he davened is required to daven again. One opinion Rabbi Lazar holds that since tefillah is rabbinic, at least the recitation of the Shemona Esri text is rabbinic, therefore a person should not go back and daven again. However, Rabbi Yochanan, here's the one that's important to us, Rabbi Yochanan argues, saying, palel adam kol hayom kulo. That a person surely can go back and daven again, even if he's in doubt whether he davened the first time, because, levai, you know, halavai, you know, it would be a great thing, that a person would daven all day. Now, in the, in the narrow halachic sense, this is referring to his opinion that a person can make up a tefillah that he, you know, suspects he forgot the entirety of the day. And the, this is the accepted halacha, that of Rabbi Yochanan, albeit there's machloka rishonim, whether this repeated tefillah has a status of nudava, if it's voluntary or not, but be that as it may, in any event, the wording Rabbi Yochanan is brought down the halacha, um, by the by the Mishnah Bura, 
this idea of halavayit palel adam kol hayom kulo. It's found in Shulchan Aruch, Arachayim Siman Kuf Zayin Seif Aleph. But in any event, this is a this this ma'amar of ulavayit palel adam kol hayom kulo is going to be something that Rip Cook is going to relate to. Okay, so without further ado, this week's learning is going to be split up into three short sections. In section one, Rip Cook is going to give us his description of what this constant tefillah is. In section two, he's going to elaborate on what this means about the fact that we have specific set times for proper tefillah. In section three, we're gonna we're gonna look at his his closing words on how this understanding of this understanding of tefillah can enhance our our actual practical tefillah on a daily basis. So section one, ein hatefillah ba'a ketikuna kiim mitocha machshava shebe'emet haneshama hitamini palalet halavi afa umitrapeket al doda buloshum hefsek klal. Okay, that's section one. Let's break it down. Ein hatefillah ba'a ketikuna tefillah has a purpose, but whatever that purpose is, it can't come come about. Ein etfilah ba ketikuna it can't accomplish its ultimate purpose. Unless the following thought, the following principle is understood. And that is, That in truth, the neshama, the soul, will say the, the non-physical essence within each of us, that's a pure piece of Hashem himself, is always engaged in, quote, tefillah. It's always engaged in this longing for its source to connect to Hashem. Halohi afa the soul, as it were, is soaring, it's flying, it's, it's moved, it desires. Obviously, paraphrasing uh, Shira Shirim, Shlomo Melech says that the, the, the beloved is it's longing for, it's leaning into a connection. Um, and then the last line here, below shum without any, any separation. And just parenthetically, um, it's not directly related to this, but it's in another example where Rav Kook weighs in on the on the meaning of this of this term hefsik. Um, in the the mission in Perak Yavot, Perak Gimel uh, Mishnah Zayin, Rav Shimon Omer Hamahalech Baderach, someone who's walking along the way, Vishona, and he's learning Torah, Umafsik, and he hears that word Mafsik, he stops or he halts his his, his learning, Vyomer, and he stops to look at a nice tree and says, Ah, oh, Mana Ilanze, what a beautiful tree, what a beautiful uh, piece of nature. Etc. It's very severe. He's, he's, as it were, liable of death. What's so severe here? Explains Rav Kook. Rav Tzvi Huda explains it in his uh, in his writings that his father would say, "What is the idea here of a, of a hefsik that a person sees nature while he's learning Torah and he views the two as two separate entities, two separate inyanim, two separate matters, each of which is like its own domain." And that is, as it were, the, the, the sin here, that a person needs to see that the, the Torah and nature and everything is all echad, is all one, it all comes from one singular source of Hashem. But in any event, Rav Kook is viewing this, uh, this terminology of hefsek as something that is, a, that is separating two things that really belong together as one, that really are, are one single unit. And so... That is the, that is the, that is the deal here with our with our soul that it is constantly in connection. There's no hefsek between it and Hashem. It's constantly longing to to be engaged in that connection. Okay, so if that's a constant, then as we asked before, what does this mean about the fact that we have you know set times or even not set times? Even if a person is you know outside the formal communal tefillah and a beit knesset, but alone, simply 
reaching out and talking to Hashem and pouring out his soul. That's not something that a person does constantly. That has a, has a specific limited time frame for it. Says Rav Kook, section 2. Ela shebisha'at ha-tfilah ha-ma'asit, at the time of practical tfilah itself, hare ha-tfilah ha-nishmatit ha-tidirit, this constant soul tfilah that we explained a moment ago, it is actualized and is comes into into uh, into practice in a revealed way. The mashal I like to look at for to explain this line is like a dam. You have water flowing and flowing, but it's not coming out. It's not going anywhere because there's a dam there. But when the dam or the locks, as they're called in some places, right, when they're when they're unlocked and when they're removed, then the water can flow freely. So it's like that. We have inside us a constant desire to connect to Hashem, whether we're aware of it or not. And at the times where we express it, it's like we're removing the dam and allowing the water that was always there from the get-go to flow freely. Now my question on this line, it says, Rav Kook says, The time of the actual or the practical uh, act of tefillah. And I was thinking that we know in Judaism we have thoughts, speech, and action. And Tfila is, I would have thought, it's more of a speech than it is an action. So why does Rav Kook here use the term for action and not the term for speech? So I was thinking that it reminded me of the, the Gemara in Rosh Hashanah, Daf Yud Zayin, where we learn about the, the 13 attributes, the Yud Midot, that at a time of a time where the Jewish people sin, like Echet Egel, Hashem told Moshe that you can uh, recite these, these 13 attributes and you'll be forgiven. But that's a little misleading what I said right now, because the Gemara there doesn't say that you should recite these 13 attributes. It says, that the Jewish people should do with this, this word of asiyah, of action. They should do before me these 13 attributes, and then they'll be forgiven. And one of the common understandings of that is that it's not enough just to recite Hashem, Hashem, but we must embody these midot in ourselves, in our own relationships, in order to be worthy of Hashem treating us with those same attributes. But be that as it may, I think here also, tefillah hama'asit, this practical tefillah is not just the lip service, but the avodah shebelev, and the internal work of, of actually working towards having a desire for Hashem and for the values that he expresses to us in the Torah, etc. Okay, so that was section two, that for the specific set times of tefillah are merely an expression of the constant desire which is there all along. Okay, so moving on to section three, how can this, how can this actually make its way into the way that we look at our tefillah on a daily basis? Says Rav Kook, V'zehu iduna v'inuga hadara v'tifarta shela tefillah. This, this idea that it's constantly, it's constantly desiring to, to reach out to Hashem and we only release it and allow it to express itself at the time of tefillah itself. This is the joy and the pleasure, right? Inuga, like the Mesilat Yisharim at the beginning, that the purpose of life is lihit aneg al Hashem, to engage and to, to enjoy, but to have spiritual, refined spiritual enjoyment. So says Rav Kook, this is the joy of tefillah, the fact that you're releasing and uh, allowing yourself to, to express and to engage in something that you're actually constantly, maybe subconsciously, desiring to do. This is the joy and pleasure of Tefila. It's glory and splendor. I'm sure there's depth there, but I, I don't know what the Hadara and Tifarta is coming to single out. 
of tefillah. Shehi mitdameh l'shoshana. And here, Rav Kook brings a, an example, an example from the world of nature. And he brings the example of a rose. Mitdameh, here tefillah is similar to a rose, hapotachat et aleha hanaim, which opens up its beautiful leaves or petals, likrat hatal, towards the incoming dew or rain, o, or nochach karne hashemesh, hamofi'ima or towards opening up its petals towards the, the rays of the sun that are shining down on it. And therefore, And because of this, is uh, this is the understanding behind what Chazal said, as we heard at the beginning in our introduction, that you know, that a person would daven the entirety of the day. All right, so let's take a closer look at this, this mashal that Rav Kook brings of the, of the rose. At first, at first glance, this sounds a little bit passive, right? The act of tefillah, I thought, was much more of an active, as we saw before. Also, Rav Kook called it the, the uh, tefillah ma'asit. But typically, we think of learning Torah as something that Hashem is speaking to us, and we're passively listening. Uh, maybe we're active, and we're asking questions, and we're trying to clarify, but it's, it's the dynamic of from above to below. Hashem is speaking, and we're listening. And tefillah is the dynamic where we're active, where we're voicing our, our uh, inner thoughts and feelings, and Hashem is the one listening, Shomea tefillah. And here I was bothered because it says that, that, that tefillah is like a rose that's seemingly passively opening up its, its petals to, to be on the receptive end of the dew or the sun. But actually, there is something active here in the, in the, in the mashal of the rose. A flower, in order to be a flower, it needs to desire, it needs, right? it, it desperately needs and desires this sunlight and the dew. It requires it to survive and to be itself, to be a, to be a flower, to exist. Now, it always needs those things, right? There isn't a, a moment where a flower doesn't require sunlight or doesn't require, but only at the particular times when the dew comes down in the morning or when it's daylight and the sun is out. Only at those moments, at those particular instances in time, does it, quote-unquote, express its desire or meet palel in a proper, uh, formal way by opening its petals. So it's the same thing, too, when we daven. We always have this inner desire to speak to Hashem. And the more we're in touch with that, the more we're in touch with what we want to say and think on a regular basis, the more Bezerat Hashem will be able to experience that spiritual pleasure that he was talking about, the oneg, the joy of the opportunity that tefillah, in fact, is to express those desires and to know that Hashem is always listening. So in that way, it definitely has a, a active element to it, not just a passive element. We are building within ourselves the desire and the ability to receive from Hashem. So just to summarize, we learned three things. We learned that, first of all, in truth, our souls are constantly desiring, desiring to connect to Hashem. We learned that this desire, so to speak, gets to be expressed or unleashed at particular times of proper formal or informal tefillah. And thirdly, we learned that recognizing this can impact the joy and the pleasure that we can get from the gift and the opportunity that, tr that tefillah truly is to express ourselves and to know that Hashem is always listening. Thank you so much for listening and wishing everybody a wonderful, wonderful week. Mm -hmm.